calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a comic book reader, writer, enthusiast in general. And I'm Nat. Uh, I love dogs. And I also love coleslaw. I do love coleslaw. This is a podcast where Yen talks to me about comics, where I am a person who has little to no knowledge or interest at the moment in comics and the world of comics and whatever that entails. But Yen, who loves it, is going to try to convince me to get into it. Would you say that's a good summary? I'd say that's a great summary, but I want to clarify because that makes it sound like I'm trying to convert you, that this was my idea, that this is, I called you Nat and I said, you know, I'm going to harass you about this thing I like that you don't care about, which if you did to me about football or footsie or soccer or futsal or whatever you call it these days, I would be <laughs> furious. But no, Nat came crawling to me. He came crawling to me, hands and knees, begging me, Yen, talk to me about comics, please. I, I think this is an appropriate time to talk about how this podcast came to be. I, I admit, yes, I was the one that approached Yen. The story starts with, I was walking my dogs. And I recall this social media post that to this day, we are unable to, to find. But I maintain that it exists. Because I recall this social media post where Yen basically said something to the effect of, you know, I know that comics is a really big and intimidating world to get into, but I... Mal Yente really love talking about comics. And if you want to talk about comics, talk to me. And I, and I recalled this post randomly as I was walking my dogs. I thought about it and I said, that would make a great podcast. Since Yen, <laughs> as he has proclaimed, loves talking about comics so much, why not he talk to me about it? But then I shelved the idea. I shelved the idea because I didn't know how I would make it happen. But some things led to other things and now we are here. How would you not know how to make it happen? Did you lose my number? Were you worried I <laughs> blocked you on Instagram? I was busy. I was busy. And, and I didn't know if this format would work. Like I, I couldn't conceive of it at the time. And you know what? We still don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I want to break down exactly all the ways Nat was lying in that last statement. Firstly, that post does not exist. That's the one. He's he's crawled my social media and he's that, that post does not exist. That's one. Two, Nat does not have dogs. He's very allergic. He has no dogs. <laughs> Why are you just straight up lying now? <laughs> Three, um, I hate talking. I never speak. I've been on a long vow of silence until Nat gets a dog, which he refuses to do because he doesn't have dogs. Any more lies that I should be unpacking? That everything you just said was a lie. That's the fourth and final lie. I don't know. I... I it, it's hard for me to believe that that post doesn't exist because there is no reason why I would just conjure that memory up. 
like it came from nowhere. So unless you are insinuating that my subconscious is sort of like obsessed with you. Yeah. No, I'm not insinuating. I'll say it directly. I'll say it directly. <laughs> I don't deny, you know. Okay, there it is. Yen's a great guy. So well, you know, now I'm flattered. You know, let's let's edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so yeah, that's how the podcast began. And and I think we should credit uh, our good friend Isabel for the title. Not not as someone implied that it should be comic sense. Ah. Which is a garbage title. It makes no sense <laughs> at all. Let me kind of establish how this podcast is gonna work. So every episode, Yen would have prepared a not a speech, but a, a little essay. An unhinged rant or an unhinged yent. Yant? It's a pun. Could you explain that to me? I don't quite get it. Could you explain the pun? No, no, I can't. I can't. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> physically in- incapable of explaining Oh, puns. okay, thank you. Sorry, I was so insensitive. <laughs> so he's prepared a little spiel about a particular topic that relates to comics. And in relation to that, he's also picked a particular comic, a particular, well, I don't know what the technical terms are. Series? Volume? Chapter? Matt knows nothing. We're going to get into that today. It's true. That's why I'm here. That is my role. But I, I do know he has picked a particular title. Maybe that's the right word, right? And how the format of the show is going to work is that Yen is going to give a spiel. I'm going to then go and read a section of this series or whatever that Yen has picked out for me. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. And at the end of it, I'm going to answer a couple questions about whether I think I'm going to read the rest of the series and yeah, just what I think about it in general. So that's the overall format of the show. Yeah, even anything to add about that? Absolutely not. I'm a little offended you asked. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is the type of energy we're going to be bringing to this podcast. A little unnecessary aggression. And that's it? It sounded like I had more. I did not. That's all. <laughs> that's all I had. A little, un- a little unnecessary aggression and incomplete sentences. There's going to be a lot of incomplete sentences, especially with the way we're editing it. We're going to try a couple takes where we're also going to like only give you every other word or we're going to splice our words together and make like a little story. So there's a lot of options here. Speaking of incomplete sentences, the title of, of the comic we're going to talk about today is called Saga. How is that an incomplete sentence? That's a word. <laughs> oh man, this is going to be real difficult. This is gonna be, I've, I've got a real uphill battle to fight. What I was thinking is that, you know, a saga is something that's drawn out. Never mind, let's move on. Because this is, this is an auditory experience, you can't tell that I'm shaking my head. There was a connection. There was a connection in my mind. I tried to do a segue. Hey, hey. This is my first time hosting a podcast. Give me a break. I'm trying here. Um, oh, he wants to go on a break. Um, could we go on a break? Could we go on an ad break? We're talking about this this comic called Saga by, you're going to have to help me out here, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's correct. And Fiona Staples. Did they both write it or is one of them like the illustrator? So Fiona Staples is the artist and colorist. I see. And we're going to break down what that is exactly. And Brian K. Vaughn is the writer. Cool. And Yen, why did you pick this? What, what is the topic that we're going to be talking about today? There's a couple of different things, but um, I think the main thing I want to talk about is talking about the hook. And what is a hook? Oh man, that's a great question. Thank you. I'm doing this podcast, the rest of the podcast by myself, Matt, by the way. Sorry, I forgot to let you know. <laughs> wait, wait, I, I just want to say, I, I'm, so I'm holding a copy of book one of Saga in my hand that um, has been kindly loaned to me by our good friend, Shelby. Thank you, Shelby. Shout out to Shelby. Great person. Great writer. This is too many shout outs. Also a dog owner, which no, I am. Uh, factually incorrect. Who, Shelby or me? You. Shelby has dogs. You don't have dogs. Shelby has one dog and I have two. Anyway, I'm holding the book in my hand. And I just I just have to say it. This cover, damn good. He's actually holding the omnibus for Saga. So he's not holding book one. He's holding the omnibus. Omnibus? Imagine a bus that's a superhero. Omnibus. 
He's holding the omnibus. And now I don't know how to say that word anymore. I'm pretty sure I'm saying it wrong. Omnibus. What omnibus. is an omnibus? Omnibus. omnibus. What, what is... Explain. We're going to get into all this. We're going to get okay, into okay, all okay. this. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, but I'm holding some form of this book. And I want to go back to the cover. Because for our... our oh, I was going to say for our audio listeners. Everyone is going to be an audio listener. This cover features... Except me. This, this cover features a horned... Asian-looking baby, but with green eyes. Maybe not Asian. <laughs> that stays. That stays. So a horned, All a horned baby. Look Asian. I'll say it. <laughs> oh wait, it also has pointy ears. Is it an elf? Who knows? Suckling the breast. Uh, that's it. It's just that's it. That's the that's the incomplete sentence. Suckling the breast. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great incomplete. <laughs> because sentence. the the breast, it, it is not clear who the breast is attached to. So I, I shall not assume. But it's 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 a choice, and when I when I took it out of the bag that Shelby sent it in, I said, "Wow, this is a choice," and I'm curious to understand how this choice is justified, and I'm sure it will be once I read just it. Just let me let me be clear. You think breastfeeding needs to be justified? I just want to get that on the record. I don't think it has to be justified. No, um, but I do think it, it sometimes has to be justified if it takes up um, two thirds of a cover of a comic book of an omnibus. I don't think it has to be justified morally. I think it has to be justified ethically. No, artistically. Let me clarify. Morally, no issues. Please. Okay, now you sound really into. I don't know. This is this is getting weird for me. Let's just. Let, I don't. Wanna, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I want you to put that omnibus away. You know. It's away. It's away. It's okay. to the side. I, okay. I'm all eyes on you right now. Lay it on me. So Saga is pretty undeniably a certifiable hit. Pretty much any award that it could win, it has one. But before we get into that, we're going to get down to brass tacks. We're going to talk about the basics of comic books, the most basic elements of comic books. And now, before we continue this section, I want to be clear to anybody who doesn't know the answer to these questions, that's totally fine. I'm only shaming Nat because he's chosen to get on this call with me. So if you don't know these things, that's fine. So Nat, let me start. What's a floppy? Floppy disk? Wrong. Okay. I'm off to a great start. It's a good start. So a floppy is a single issue of a comic book. That's, an, that's one way of calling it. A single issue is something that's about 20 to 30 pages. It's these real flimsy things. And these are the things that come out every month, depending on the comic book. Sometimes it's twice every month. Sometimes it's every three months. But the floppy is the single little flimsy thing that contains usually part of a story and not a complete story. Okay. So Nat, what's a trade? When I have a comic book and you have a comic book and we swap. Am I close? Not even close, not even slightly. Damn. A trade is a collection of floppies. So that's how, I mean, a lot of people used to read mainly floppies, but the trade in, I think, the last maybe two decades became like the primary way for most people to engage with comics because it's a lot cheaper. But the trade-off would be that you have to wait to read the trades. Is that right? Incredible. Incredible. I don't, that was amazing. That was fantastic. <laughs> I don't, no notes. Perfect. So that's exactly right. You you do have to wait longer for a trade to come out. So you're not keeping up with it month to month. You can, you can get spoiled. Sometimes the trades can take very long to come out. And also in terms of like collector's values, you know, people talk about comic books as collections. Trades are usually worth very little in terms of like how they, you know, increase in value over time. So you're holding an omnibus and an omnibus is like many trades stacked into one. I'm not sure how much the saga one is. I think it may be the first 
five or six trades. It goes from chapter one to chapter 18 and it's grouped into three groups. So I guess that's three trades. The trades are more than just like a collection. It's more than just like a logistical thing. It is also a narrative slash storytelling thing where the trade is collecting a bunch of floppies that when read together, read more or less like a complete story. Of course, stories also span across multiple arcs, but there is supposed to be, you should feel a sense of like a beginning and an ending with the trade. You should ideally, like any good story, also feel that with a floppy, but that's also a lot more difficult because we're talking about 20, 30 pages, which is a lot less to work with. Mm, yeah. Now this next question, I think will give me a heart attack. I think this will be it for me. I'm ready. I hope. Nat, what are, what are, the, what are the facets of a comic book? Facets? Are you asking me for like the technical elements of a yeah, comic Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just name to me any technical elements you can think of and then we'll sure. stop when you can't name any. There's a cover. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pages, page numbers. Okay. Characters. Oh boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I, 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 I know panels. That's okay. A word. Great. Okay, okay. Panels. That's something. That's something. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say random words. I know. One shots. That's a thing, right? Wow. Okay. That was that was pretty good. Thank you. Okay, well, you know what? We, that's enough for me to work with right now. We're not going to get into all of those terms. What I want to briefly cover is the panel, which is um, what Nat is describing, which is like, you can think of comics as like a grid-like structure. Right? When you open the page, there's a bunch of boxes. The boxes which contain action and dialogue and characters and everything, those are called panels. So several panels make a page. Okay, um, what's, how does rent go? How does rent go? Um, oh, Seasons of Love. 525,600 minutes. Thank you. So that's how many that's how many minutes are in a year. Um, that's not how many panels there are in a trade, <laughs> but that's the analogy <laughs> I'm using, <laughs> right? So panels make up a page, page make up the floppy, floppy makes up a um, a trade, trade makes up an omnibus, and then all of that makes up the complete story. Okay, got it. So my next question on my notes. Wait, wh- where does rent come in again? I just wanted to, I just wanted to talk about you know um, how things break down, how things break down, and they build up together. I think that was a pretty. I think it was pretty clear. It's just the idea that small parts make up a big part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because minutes make up into hours, hours make up into days, days make into weeks, weeks make into months, months weeks Thank months you. make into years. You, you asked me to clarify this. You asked for this. You asked for this. Thank you. Without that rent reference, I would not have understood. Small little digression, but for years I thought it was five hundred plus twenty five thousand plus six hundred. I mean, you're not wrong. That is still 525,600 minutes. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, wait. No, 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 no. So 500 plus 25,000. So that's so oh. right now we've got 25,500 oh. plus 600. So that's 25, that's 26,100 minutes. And I was like, that's not how you make up a year. That's rubbish. <laughs> Jonathan Larson couldn't do math. <laughs> stand up in the theater. I object. Okay, so this is the next question on my notes. And I want to look at my notes to make sure I get this right, get this phrasing right, okay? Nat, why don't you know anything, you d- stupid idiot? I'm waiting for an answer. I'm going to assume this means, why don't you know anything about comics? Uh, you, you know, you, you make whatever assumptions you need. <laughs> yeah, you know, for the sake of our friendship, for the sake of my <laughs> mental health, uh, I, I will assume you're asking me nicely, why <laughs> this is I mean you are correct in that the objective of this podcast for me is to destroy your mental health someone cancel Yen I hope you get cancelled by the end of season one we're gonna replace you because you've been cancelled I hope there's a hashtag <laughs> let Nat free 
<laughs> let me let me answer let me answer the question that I heard, which is why do you have so little knowledge about comics? A thing that many people know a lot about, I I, I presume. I don't know. I just never got into it. I think growing up just never had an access point. And then the older I got and whenever I would think, oh, that seems kind of interesting. It just, the world of comics, I think as I mentioned at the start, is just so huge. Especially like with like Marvel and DC, there's all these like different storylines and and different universes. And it just was so difficult to get into that I just never got into it. Is that, is that the answer you're looking for? It's the answer to the question you thought I was asking. No, but that's a great answer. That's a great answer. And that ties directly into why Saga is the one we're choosing to read for our first episode. Because Saga has none of this inbuilt knowledge. Saga stands on its own. It's a story that sits on itself. It does not need you to have read, you know, Spider-Man issue 451 or know Batman's secret identity, which I hope you know at least that much. Wayne Bruce. Bruce Wayne. Thank you. Bruce Wayne. One more time, one more time. Bruce Wayne. Ah, Maria. <laughs> have you even seen the movie? I have, I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just continuing to go until... <laughs> I could have gone, I could have gone more. I hope everybody knows I could go more. You know, two, two fighting hashtags. Hashtag let Yen be the Riddler. Hashtag let Nat free. <laughs> So because you haven't really read comics, Ned, um, I'm going to talk about the physical act of reading a comic, which I assume you have done at some point, but I'm going to break it down a little bit for you. Okay, not everybody I reads... I feel a little patronized here. Like, is there a... Like, I'm going to your it... stall, I'm going to your stall and getting goods from you? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, is it not just reading? Well, no, it's not just reading. It isn't just reading because when you're reading, you're just reading words, right? And rarely are writers thinking about how their words sit within a singular page. Maybe they're thinking they're thinking a lot about their words, but they're not thinking so much about the visual act of reading it. And comic books are visual, right? And so I'm talking specifically about the physical act of reading it. Even though a lot of people do read comic books online, I think there is something different about physically reading a comic, which is why I'm so intent on making sure every comic you're reading, you're reading it physically. Admittedly, like I said, comic books are expensive. Floppies are expensive. Trades are expensive, even though trades are cheaper than floppies. So what I, you know, I love libraries. Everything I get is from a library. I have my own copy of Saga, but right now I'm in Chicago and I went and borrowed a copy of Saga. Use your local libraries, folks. They're the, they're the best. Shout out libraries. Shout out to libraries. Shout out. We love our libraries. Shout out to NILIB, National Library of Singapore. And shout out to Shai Lib. Chicago Public Library, of which I've borrowed at least hundreds of comics from. And shout out to all libraries, you know? State-owned, private. That's, that's a great everything. point. Everything. That's Just a shout point. out to libraries. That's a great point. Thank you very much. So when you're reading a comic and you're going to feel patron, you're going to feel like I'm uh, condescending to you. But um, when you read a comic, when you have to open it. Okay. Okay. So that goes into the cover, right? And getting an enticing cover. That's not the thing, right? But when you read a comic, you have to physically turn the page. That's crazy, isn't it? It's wild. I, I never thought. <laughs> <laughs> See, it seems obvious, right? But that is just something that is substantial about the comic book. As opposed to, say, you know, the movie or the TV show where you can sit down and it happens before you. You do not need to do anything. You just need to sit there and it's going to unfold itself. You need to unfold the comic book. And so, at least in English, right? what's the last thing we read on a page? What do you mean? You know, 
I'm not going to explain. I'm just going to say it's the bottom right. Right. Okay. Okay. The bottom right panel is the last thing you read of the page. Right. So much happens there. If that bottom right panel does not do it for you, you do not have to turn the page. That is the fact of the comic book. It is constantly fighting a battle for your attention, for your interest, for your care. If you don't like that bottom right page, eh, you could be a little too lazy. You don't want to spend those calories and turn that page. You want to close it and you want to walk away. That's why the bottom right panel is key. That is key because that's before the page turns. Mm. Now say you say you like it. Say you enjoy that bottom right panel and you're turning the page. That is your transition. Right? And so that there's a moment between pages when that page is lingering in the air as you're turning the page where you are not in the comic book. So what what I'm hearing from you and maybe you're going to get into this later is that comic book writers and artists take into account page layout when they are writing. Like it's part of the writing process versus a novelist who might just write 100,000 words but aren't thinking about which word the page ends with. 100%. This is something that, you know, Brian Michael Bendis is very good at and we'll probably talk about Bendis in a different episode but it's also something that Brian K. Vaughan is very conscious of. And so say you like it and you like that panel, you turn the page, the page is in the air, you're moving between, you can get transported anywhere as you're turning those pages. Right in terms of movie language that's the edit that's the cut to that's the smash cut what happens between those pages we can jump 30 years between pages we can jump across galaxies we can change character anything can happen during that page turn but as long as that hook is there as long as you're actually interested you're going to want to keep going mm. and you're going to see that a lot in this issue and and then there's a very clear level of care about it as well we rarely jump between scenes in the middle of a panel in the middle of a page i mean between panels we are almost always jumping scenes at the end of the odd page and sometimes sometimes we're not we're not going to leave we're going to carry on through like you're going to see in saga right you're going to stay in that scene or maybe something will change something will alter we can do all of that at once and we can do none of it that's the magic of comic books there's multiple layers of storytelling captured in just like a 20 30 page package. So that we're talking about the visuals right but now if we to think of the words we can think of the captions which are kind of like voiceovers. Right again using film language right this these the captions is the text that exists outside of spoken dialogue within a comic. You know like in the old comics it that can be your setting it can be like New York 1972. Something also that's kind of gone a little bit out of vogue is thought bubbles. So that's the one that people often think about with comic books is speech bubbles and thought bubbles. Thought bubbles were used a lot in like Archie, a lot of Stan Lee comics. Nobody really uses the speech bubble. I don't think we'll ever see one in the time that we're reading. Now it's also more in vogue to use the caption instead of a speech bubble just cuz it's just it's just a, it's just You mean a thought archaic. bubble? Absolutely correct. Wow, you're catching on so fast. That was a trick. That was a trick. I was trying to test you and you passed. Hey, well done. I'm paying attention. So this the captions and there's the actual dialogue the things we say to each other and then there is the art okay and all of those come together beautifully in saga saga is always almost always my go to if somebody tells me like i want to get into comics and i'm not sure where to start i always say try saga because it's nothing like you'd expect it's in theory a grand space opera this epic of warring factions of this massive political intrigue but it's so grounded in its characters 
right? The dialogue is very down to earth. Maybe some people might think it's too down to earth, but it's very caught in the visceral act of being alive in this setting. Whether that's making babies, being a baby, or dying, there's nothing highfalutin about it. It's straightforward. It's easy to read. And here's the thing about Saga. You can read it, all of it, aloud. When you read Saga, when you're about to read Saga, I want you to try reading a page aloud and see how it feels. Because it's going to roll off the tongue. Sometimes we don't need our words to sound like that. Sometimes we want things to be in a different register. But within Saga, it's important to its themes and its stories that it sounds like people. It sounds like something you can hear. So this has mainly been about Brian K. Vaughan, but we need to talk about the other half, maybe more than half of Saga, which is Fiona Staples, who's the artist behind Saga. So when you're making a comic book, sometimes the art process, at least in serialized comic books, just because of time constraints, it, and also because of this artistic benefits, the art process is split into different parts. So one person colors, one person inks, one person pencils. There's multiple steps to the process. I've said that in the wrong order. You know, Cancel hashtag, him. hashtag hate Yen, hashtag let Yen be the Riddler, hashtag let Nat free. <laughs> what you're going to see on the page for Saga, that's all Fiona Staples. Wow. Okay, she's, she's coloring, she's inking, she's penciling. I could have gotten it the right order this time. I still didn't. Well, I hate you. <laughs> Who is to you? I don't know. And it's going to show in the pages that it's just Fiona Staples because there's this cohesion of color and vibrance between all of it. It's what makes Saga so visually distinct. Staples has complete control and her style bleeds into every single element. And it's not. this is also not to say that comics being drawn and colored by different people is bad or lesser. We're going to see some great coloring work in other books. But there is something still special, a little intimate, right? And that lends itself to Sangha about knowing you're seeing someone, one person's pages. Brian K. Vaughan has done a lot of books over the years. And I think it's over those years of experience, and you can see this already with his projects from like two decades ago, right? The one thing that Brian K. Vaughan knows extremely well is he knows the reader is physically reading a comic book. And so in some cases, that's mastering the page tone. But in Saga, Brian K. Vaughan, and in all his other books, he goes to the next level. Because it's not just the page turn, it's the issue closer. Because when you read that last page, you have to end it on a banger. He sees the page turn and he one-ups it. If you're reading Saga in the single issues as the floppies, which I think truly is a hobby reserved for only the most masochistic of people because of these cliffhangers. Every issue of Saga ends on a, oh, I need to know what's going to happen next. I've read this comic book so many times. I borrowed volume one from Shy Publib to prepare for this. I finished reading issue one. I ended up reading the whole thing and I got to the end and I was like, damn, I got to get volume two again. <laughs> and you know what happens. And I know what happens. I know what happens, but it's just the level of craft and like tension and everything he brings in. That moment when you close the book, you're going to be lingering on that final page all day. If you read the rest of the volume of that omnibus, you're going to read that every issue... Its last page is a full-page spread. And that's what makes Saga so impactful. It's the synergy of writing and art. Brian K. Vaughan is going to end it on a narrative banger, and Fiona Staples is going to know exactly how to make that pay off. That's what makes Saga so impactful. It's the little things you may not even notice, right? These are subconscious things that most readers aren't aware of when they're reading a comic. There's the facial expressions, there's the subtle distinctions between the characters, 
And also between like wreath and landfall, you're going to know what that is. The not so subtle differences, the change of font in between captions and dialogue. There's the presence of its characters, the foreboding, and more than anything, it's the ending. And I'm not talking about just the endings of the issues. I'm talking about the endings of every page. It's going to fill your imagination and it's going to have you stuck in that world of landfall and wreath, but really more so Alana, Marco, and that growing group of characters that you're going to get a peek into in just this first issue. They're going to become like people you know, your friends, filled with all their complications and sweetness and pain. And like good friends, you're not going to want to leave them. Everyone I know who I've introduced Saga to has binged it. They don't pace it out. They finish it all in a week. They go from start to finish. Because Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples have made a story that you're not going to want to put down. You're not going to want to leave the characters behind. And so now, with no further ado, I leave to you to start their saga. Wow, you've really built this up. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I hope for one of these, I go in and I'm like, yeah, this shit kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the next section of the podcast will be me reading um, the comic. And we, we want to invite you, dear uh, listener, if you have also not read Saga and you want to join along with this experience, we invite you to pause the podcast, go to your local library and pick up a copy of Saga Issue 1 or the Omnibus. Or go to you your local find. comic book shop. Or that, they're that too. Also, they're also suffering. And... Read the first issue with me. And when you're done with that, you can join us again for part two. Chapter one. Am I shitting? That's the first line. That's great. Seriously, you'll never have sex with me again if I defecate all over you. Unless you're secretly into that. Please don't be into that. It's this guy with the antlers. Alta Soldato Marco. I'm getting Romeo and Juliet vibes now. Oh dear. Page 24. TV having sex with another TV? <laughs> Is this character's name Ivy? That's my question. I hope it's Ivy. Hey, he had a dog. So do I. Holy shit, it's a giant cat. Oh, the next page is something even bigger. What is that? It's a giant tortoise shooting laser out of his eyes. I am, I am back. Wow, I have to say... That was pretty cool. All right. All right. I think we just have one episode and that's it. Lah. That's it. It's done. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Credit to you, Yen. I do think, you know, your whole explanation of understanding the idea and the notion of oh. the last panel of a page, right? And the page turner, I think, did prime me to understand that craft and the thought that goes into, you know, something always happens on that rightmost panel or the, or the bottom panel. Can you show us one that you were like, whoa... That's cool. I mean, obviously, the deeper. <laughs> deeper, and then you turn, and then it's two TVs having sex. I mean... That's a great page, Ned. The page Ned is describing, it's a setup of like a planet, and then there's like a Pegasus, and then it's the castle, and it's people on the streets, and then it's guards in front of an empty room. And the only thing coming from that room is coming. <laughs> the, only, the only noise leaving that room is a speech bubble saying deeper. And then you turn the page and it's um, two anthropomorphic televisions. I don't know if that's the correct word. I think it's more people with TVs for heads. They're robots, right? The, the story says they're robots, but, you know, 
I'm going to call them TVs. I want, can you look back at the... Can, I'm going to really linger on this. Can you look back at the word deeper? Okay. Um, and this actually brings up something that I realized I neglected to mention in my introduction, right? Is that the lettering is not done by Fiona Staples. Right. And that, that's the case for all of these like sort of robot-ish characters is this sort of like typeface font. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So the lettering in terms of the process of making a comic book in, in Saga is made by Phonographics, which is a, a pen name for a letterer who does this work. And does a lot of great work on a bunch of different image books. I'm not sure how exactly the workflow does, but the captions are done, the, that font choice, the placement of the speech bubbles, that's all done by phonographics. And so that's another collaborative effort by the artist to decide where a gap makes sense. And I think, you know, I think we'll do another episode on lettering because it's another underrecognized part of the comic book. Mm. But yeah, like Nat pointed out, the TVs, as he refers to them, have a different font than everyone else. I'm just trying to find another moment that was a great page turn. I mean, I think there are a lot of like just good ones. What about the anybody home when the will is entering that cavern? Ah, uh, yes, on page 35. Yeah, that, that was a good one too. You know, I think if you ask me which was the best one in this in this first chapter, I'd actually say it's the very first page. It's just that full spread with just a side profile of Alana and her face, and she's just saying, "Am I shitting? It feels like I'm shitting." Like that, what a way what a way to start a story. And then you turn the page and she's giving birth. That's what I was saying about like the, the dialogue, the language of saga is so like I think some people may find it a little too crude. Right. But I don't at all. I think it's just it's how people talk and it's, it's how real. people talk yeah. in this situation, right? It's real. Right. And so you read that first page and you're like, Wait, what is going on here? Like we're really like opening this book that is basically a treatise on like war and peace and love and the first the first spoken line of the whole book is, am I shitting? It feels like I'm <laughs> shitting. And that doesn't like devalue the themes of the book. And anything, it, it elevates it. It elevates how it's happening to people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also really enjoyed, I mean, and this ties back to, to the whole type font thing. And also, I think you talked about it at the start about like the idea of the text that is above the dialogue, right? Like the captions or the narration. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the interspersing of Hazel's voice. There's something about the way that it's visually placed within the panel and then also the way about, about how the font is just so different. It's clearly like a handwritten font. Yeah, and I don't know. I, f I found that really nice. I I'm not sure why. <laughs> no, I think and I think what you're pointing to is that they're, they're using the many tools available to them to tell the story of multiple layers, which is the thing I was saying. Right, Because you could actually, as an experiment, go through issue one and just read the captions and not look at anything else. And you could read it entirely without the captions. But when you read them together, they both you know, synthesize into telling a fuller story. Because you don't get the sense of the foreboding. I think that's a big thing that the captions bring up, is that Hazel is telling us this story from the future. Mm. Which in some ways, you know, in some ways that reduces the stakes because we know Hazel makes it. But if anything, it, it elevates it because of the way it's done. Right? Like that last page... That last page when it's Alana and Marco standing in front of that forest. Yeah. And there's those red glowing eyes behind them. Yeah. That's a great spread as well. For the listener, we're not going to spoil anything that doesn't happen within the issue. And we're going to do our best to not ruin things within it in case you listen to this and you do want to read it after. But there's some things that we're just going to have to talk about. Like that last page, right? Mm -hmm. Where it goes from it goes from Hazel saying, thanks to these two, at least I get to grow old. And the next page is Alana and Marco embracing Marco holding Alana, dark forest behind them, red eyes glowing, and Hazel's finishing that thought, saying, not everyone does. Yeah. 
And I think the question, I mean, you know, you, you talked about the stakes. You know that Hazel survives, but the question now is really to her parents. Right. Yeah. Would you call a full page spread a panel? Well, yeah, a full page spread is by definition a one panel page. But which one, which one are you talking about? I want to highlight this one panel, which as I'm looking through now, just stands out to me as really an encapsulation of, of how the visuals and the, the dialogue come together to sort of set a whole scene and, and, and to even determine, because I'm an audio person, right? To even to inform things like volume, oh. which without any word saying, said Marco quietly, right? It's just through like size of the text. And so it, there is this full page spread right after Alana gives birth to Hazel and it's kind of just a full frontal depiction of Marco holding Hazel in, in his hands and there are tears streaming down Marco's face and just the size of, because it's a full page spread, really emphasizes the overwhelming momentousness of the occasion. But then just in the top left-hand corner is a little tiny speech bubble, which could definitely have been bigger where he just says, it's a girl. And there's just something so beautiful about that moment. You know, it's just like a, a whispered, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining it as a whispered utterance in this emotional moment. But yeah, I just thought that was a really good example of that. Yeah, totally. And I think you're also alluding to the imaginative aspect of what we're hearing when we're reading a comic book. Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples can't, <laughs> they can't stop me from imagining Marco going, it's a girl. <laughs> but what they can do is they can lightly guide me that way to make me think that the volume is soft. They can make me think that it's a tender moment. And so in that way, it's, it's a collaboration between Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughan. But the last part of the puzzle is us. Mm. Right? How it hears, how it sounds in our ear is determined by us. Um, and I think I'm going to point out to one more thing on that page. Where are Marco's eyes directed in that page when he's holding out? Right at the, well, I was going to say camera, but I guess it's not a camera. Right, right at us, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And it's, 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 they're using filmic language. It's a POV shot where we are in Alana's head and Marco's mm, looking mm. at us and delivering the baby to us. And again, that just goes back to the intimacy, the closeness of Saka, of how you're going to feel so tied to these characters. And some of it is how funny and lovable and irritating they are. But then it's also the subconscious things of where Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples are placing us within the story. And in this situation, we are in the delivery room and we are Alana for just that one page. I mean, it's great. I... I, I... I must say, you picked a you picked a strong opener for this podcast. Yeah, and I don't know how I'm going to top it. I don't know <laughs> I, like I said, Saga is really my go-to recommendation because it's this good. Because it, it hooks you in. I'm curious, has, has there ever been any adaptations of this story? No, there has not been. There has not been. Well, other than, you know, the, the audio drama version of you reading those first few pages out loud. <laughs> Coming soon to Andas Productions. <laughs> there has been no other cross-media adaptation of Saga yet. Part of that, I think, is because it's you know, going to be incredibly expensive to make unless you animate it. Yeah, for sure. But even if you animate it, it's going to be really tough because if you animate it, the thing about animating it is that you're going to have to contend with Fiona Staples' art. Yeah. Her art does not lend itself to animation, I think. Mm. The lines are very rigid. The shadows are really important. She's very good at capturing the most important posture and facial expression of every panel. I mean, it's really like you're going to be going up against the greats. Yeah if you try and animate it. And the thing about that also is that there's a lot of thought to figuring out how to adapt something. Right? And I think that's why a lot of comic book adaptations don't do that well because they don't think that much about the medium of difference. Like it's not just about turning the panels into scenes. Mm. It's about 
figuring out what are the the draws of the comic book form that make this story work and what are the draws of the you know medium of television or the movie or whatever that make this work you you have to think about what are the strengths there's something to be said also about Fiona Staples and Brian K Vaughan's intentions on it so Brian K Vaughan he has had other books that have been made into TV shows with him taking a primary role into it paper girls and why the last man but with saga he said explicitly he wanted to do absolutely everything I couldn't do in a movie or TV show. That's a quote from Brian K. Vaughan. He didn't want to make this into an adaptation. And you think about the page t- transitions also. You know, th- th- that page 10 thing I was saying about the cut too. Yeah. If you ever seen the scenes that go on this long, right? It'll be like 30 seconds. You just spent $3 million to get <laughs> to get us into this palace of these TVs having sex. And then you're going to tell me you're going to cut away. <laughs> and when you think about the fact that Brian K. Vaughan said that, right? There's like almost an imaginative exercise to it. Like how expensive could I make this look? Right, right. In a medium that it won't actually cost more to do. Nat, it's time for my big two questions. And these are the questions I'm going to ask Nat about every book I make him read. I'm ready. First question, Nat. Do you see the value? Yeah, yeah. I have to say I, I, I do 100%. Great choice. Great choice of a first comic. Totally understand why you'd say... You know, this is the comic you would recommend to people who ask where they should start as someone who has now started with it. Very good. (laughs) I definitely see the value, the storytelling value, the value in the art, the medium. I definitely appreciate a lot more. I'm looking forward to reading more. I'm looking forward to reading more, which I think is just your second question. Yeah, you're really, you're really cutting me off. (laughs) You're rendering me useless in this exchange. My second question, which you've already answered is, would you keep reading? Which I'm going to cut you off now and say you you basically said yes. It is something I, I think I would continue. I, I definitely want to find out what those glowing red eyes are. Definitely want to find out what happens of Hazel. Who is Hazel? Who is Vez? What is, what is Vez? I don't know. Is she a unicorn? It's very confusing. But no, I definitely, definitely want to read the rest of it for sure. That being said, let me assure you, dear listener, as this is the first episode of this podcast, I think I still have a lot to be convinced of in terms of comics. I, I think this works, you know, because it's a standalone. But my concerns over, you know, what, what I shared about at the start about this, this vast, impenetrable world of the more commonly known comics, which like the Marvel stuff, the DC stuff, that, that, that to me is still this big cloud, right? And I don't know where to start. I don't know if I should start. So I think, you know, this has sort of opened the door into yeah. comics with a small C, does that make sense? But comics of a big C is still still pretty daunting to me. Yen is giving me a very confused expression right now. You know, next episode, I'm going to give you something you hate. <laughs> I'm going to punish you with something terrible. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, we're not done here. We're not done here. We're not, we're done, not done here by a long shot. I think there's a long way to go. I'm going to push you. I gave you an easy thing with Sanka. Next week, we're going to go into some superhero stuff. That was what I was afraid of. Yeah, I know. I know that's, and that's your greatest fear. That's your greatest fear. Capes. <laughs> You're very afraid of capes. You're like a bull. I'm like Edna Mode. No capes. Do you know that the bull isn't actually a? Fr- does the bull has no reaction to the color red? They're colorblind. I have read this before. It's just the action of the waving of the cape, right? It's the waving. It's the waving of the cape. And so I'm gonna wave a cape at you, and we're gonna see how you respond. Join us next week to see me charge at a cape. Thanks for listening to Comic Sans, and we'll see you on the next page. See ya. Thanks for listening to Comic Sans. This is an Andas Productions show hosted by Mao Yente and Nathaniel Ma and produced by Roshan Singh Sambi. Our cover art is by Isabel Fang and marketing by Siobhan Lek.
Follow us on social media at the links in the description and stay tuned for weekly releases of our 8-episode first season.